Welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the worship director here. We're continuing our Great Banquet series with a talk about how important it is to study God's Word daily. Let's send it over to Sherry Morgan. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. The summer sermon series has been called a short course in Christianity, with six lay members of our congregation giving talks similar to ones given at three-day spiritual weekends called the Great Banquet. My name is Sherry Morgan, and today the final message in this series is entitled Growth Through Study. When our granddaughter, Morgan, was a toddler, she loved to cook in her own efficiency kitchen, which included a microwave and stove with built-in kitchen, with built-in sink and dish rack. In her make-believe world, she would lovingly create fried chicken, cookies, french fries, cookies, corn on the cob, and yes, cookies. <laughs> she really liked cookies, and she still does. She would proudly serve up these scrumptious delicacies to whoever would sit with her. Cooking in her play kitchen laid the foundation for her love of cooking today. Someday, when Morgan gets married and has a family of her own, not only will her kitchen need to be larger and actually work, but she'll also need more knowledge to prepare a wide range of recipes than she had as a two-year-old. If she doesn't ever move beyond her child's kitchen, Grubhub may become her best friend, and she and her family will be nutritionally deficient and financially broke. Additionally, she would miss out on the joy and satisfaction that preparing home-cooked meals can bring to one's life. Similarly, our spiritual growth cannot stop with what we learned as a child. The stories and songs about God and Jesus that we learned in children's Sunday school laid the foundation for our Christian life as adults. However, if we don't equip ourselves with tools and methods to help us grow in knowledge of God's word beyond what we learned as a child, we will miss the opportunity to cultivate an intimate relationship with God and to make him known to others. Luke 10:27 records Jesus' great commandment to his followers, including us today. It says, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. To love the Lord in each of these four ways requires different spiritual disciplines. Today, I'm going to talk about loving God with our mind through the study of God's word. So what exactly is study? The dictionary definition of study is the act or process of acquiring knowledge of a particular subject by one's own efforts. Learning doesn't just happen. A person has to be intentional about gaining knowledge. Study is the key that unlocks intellectual growth for those who want to follow Christ. We can't let the world tell us what is right. We need to study to learn for ourselves what is right, which is God's way, not the world's way. When we love God with all our mind, we are using our mind as God intended. We are thinking seriously about our world in relation to God's word, and we are seeking to understand the meaning of our personal experiences and how they relate to God. 
Once we are through with formal education, we may think that we're done with studying, but we're not. We study to improve our job skills, to improve the way our households are run, to understand new tax laws, to understand those around us. And how often do we Google to find an answer to a question that we have? When we quit learning, we quit living. Likewise, if we are to grow in our spiritual lives, we need to continue studying the truths found in scripture to better understand the life of Jesus Christ and how those truths apply to our daily lives. Some people memorize information for a test or certification and then forget it once the test is done. However, whether it's in school or studying the Bible, the purpose of study is to transform us by applying the knowledge we learn. Through studying God's word, we transcend narrow and superficial understandings and begin to understand more deeply the significant role that God is playing in our life. As a toddler, Morgan was limited in her culinary results by the lack of knowledge, tools, and maturity. Likewise, we are limited in our understanding of God's purpose for us and the role that we play in his recipe for life on earth if we don't seek to learn all we can by studying God's living, breathing word. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing and equipping us for every good thing that God wants us to do. In other words, the Bible is a basic instruction before leaving earth. Just as the plastic all-in-one kitchen will not be adequate for Morgan's needs when she grows up, her understanding of God and his word as a child cannot sustain her spiritual needs as a growing adult Christian. Morgan's parents and I read a lot of books to her to help her develop verbal and listening skills, as well as to increase her knowledge of the world around her. One of her favorite books was a colorful one about Noah's Ark. She enjoyed lifting 48 different windows to count groups of, window, or excuse me, groups of animals, bales of straw, nails in the barn walls, and to say which colors each were and what sounds the animals made. We wanted the story of Noah and his two-by-two two animals and the pretty rainbow at the end of the story to settle in her heart forever. But we also wanted her to understand that Noah's story goes deeper than what those colorful window-filled pictures in the book told her. As a 15-year-old today, it's important for Morgan to recognize Noah's obedience to God, even when everyone else around him mocked him. It's important that she understands that God always has a perfect plan in mind, even if it makes no sense to humans until the plan is carried out. And it's important for her to grasp the reason for the beautiful rainbow she sees in the sky after a rain and the promise that God made so many thousands of years ago that still holds true today. So how can she move from lifting windows to find Noah's animals, to claiming God's plans and promises as her own. Beginning now, Morgan will have to make the intentional choice to either be satisfied with the child's version 
or began studying scripture to learn the full story of Noah's Ark and how it relates to her own life. And so I ask you this question. Are you relying on knowledge and insights you learned years ago in relation to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? Or are you eager to study God's word to learn the truth yourself as an adult? Do I hear a dialogue going on in your head right now? Does the dialogue start with the word but? <clears throat> as in, but I don't have time to read the Bible every day. Busy activity schedules, work responsibilities, and family demands have convinced many people that study is a luxury they just can't afford right now. Nevertheless, we always manage to make time for what we truly want to do. In Tom Paine's talk in early July, he asked the questions, what are your priorities? What do you think about? What do you, how do you spend your money? And how do you spend your time? What is at the top of your priority list and what is at the bottom? A second excuse often used is, but I don't know what to study. Ask individuals whose spiritual lives you admire what they've been studying or what they would recommend. You can Google Christian books on a certain topic and look through the listings or seek advice from Pastor Matthias or any church leader. Perhaps this is your excuse, but I don't like to read books. Well, you can consider DVDs, video presentations, Christian radio stations, or audio versions of the Bible. I found a YouTube video series called Word for Word that plays songs taken directly from scripture, word for word, and I love it. The internet provides a wealth of study resources at no charge. Conversations with other Christians and small group discussions, whether in an adult Sunday school class or a Bible study group, can be very effective and helpful as well. A fourth excuse may be, but I don't understand the Bible and all those these and thous or how it applies to me. Well, put aside that Bible that you received in fifth grade many, many years ago and get a contemporary version of a or a study Bible, which has footnotes that may give a detailed background and explanation of each passage. This is my life application Bible that um, a lot of people make fun of because it is so worn and so forth, but it's got footnotes at the bottom, and I love it. And I might add, it's not a sin to write or underline or highlight in your Bible. In fact, I've pretty much written, uh, marked up this Bible, and I haven't been struck down yet. So I would um, really, really uh, recommend that you find a study Bible. We can have 100 excuses not to exercise, or we can choose to get back in shape and back into our normal size clothes. Likewise, we can give excuse after excuse not to get into God's word or we can choose to get to know him better. If we want to have a relationship with God our Father, Jesus our Savior and friend, and the Holy Spirit our guide and comforter, then we need to spend time with him and with them, all three, just as we have to spend time with our human friends to maintain and grow friendships. We build a relationship with God by reading his word regularly, by talking to him and listening to him in prayer, and by learning his character by studying his example. The place to start is in the Bible, the living, breathing word of God, where he speaks to us, where he teaches us, 
and where we eventually find him to be our Lord and Savior. Our relationship with Christ will never be any greater than our relationship with his word. Let me repeat that. Our relationship with Christ will never be any greater than our relationship with his word. Wouldn't it be great to do things the easy way, like learn the Bible through osmosis while we sleep? That'd be great. As with most things in life, however, taking the easy way out is not the right way, and we miss meaningful experiences in the process. So let's make a better plan to get into God's word. We have to be intentional one step at a time. The first step is choose a regular study time and stick to it. Desire and obedience are key. Some find early morning works best. Others prefer just before bedtime or over their lunch breaks. Set a time that will work for you without trying to squeeze personal devotional time into an already overcrowded schedule. The second step is choose a daily devotional booklet with scripture readings. One example is the Daily Bread, which you can find for free out on the welcome desk in Fellowship Hall after, after worship. This is a three-month study, so it's, it's daily. Other options are the Upper Room, which is similar to the um, Daily Bread, 15 minutes alone with God, or one-year devotional Bible. Another option is to sign up to have a daily devotional sent to your email address. My personal favorites are Purpose Driven Life, Proverbs 31, and Max Lucado devotions. All of these are free. You just have to sign up and they'll show up in your inbox each morning for a quick read. But then you have to make the effort to open it and read it. Step three, choose to join a Sunday school class or regular small Bible study, if you can find one that is um, at the right time for you. Both of these have played a significant role in my growth as a disciple of Christ. And I have formed bonds with many church members by leading adult Sunday school classes through the years and sharing with ladies from other churches in a Thursday night Bible study led by Crystal Ward. The fourth step is choose a way to share what you study through conversation with other seekers of Christ or simply by writing in a journal. It's enlightening to reread your entries a year later and watch your faith journey unfold on the pages. And the fifth step is choose persistence. As Catherine Doherty emphasized last week in her talk, just keep on trying. Don't quit, even if you have to take a break once in a while. Remember, the goal of devotional time is to cultivate a deeper relationship with God, not just to check off devotions from your daily to-do list. Don't lose sight of why you're setting aside time to be with God. Well, during this talk, I've given a lot of information, but I haven't shared much about whether I practice when I'm preaching. Learning God's truth through study of his word has definitely been a journey for me, as it has been for everyone else in this room. Faithfully attending Sunday school since I was three years old and being in worship service every Sunday that I could did not mean that I knew what God's grace was. Teaching children and teens in Sunday school for more than 13 years did not mean that I knew Jesus as my Savior. And serving in leadership roles within this congregation for over 25 years did not guarantee that the Holy Spirit was guiding me in those leadership roles. For as long as I can remember, I have believed that God is the creator of the universe. In seventh grade confirmation class, I learned that God is omniscient, 
omnipresent, and omnipotent. Since my early years being in Christmas pageants and Easter services, I've known that Jesus was God's virgin-born son who died on the cross for the sins of the world. I could easily recite from memory John 3.16, Genesis 1.1, the 23rd Psalm, the Apostles' Creed, and the Ten Commandments, as well as the liturgical seasons and the colors that represented them and a whole host of other things. I prayed every night when I went to bed and when we sat down to dinner. But my prayers were mostly scripted prayers I learned as a child, or I gave a laundry list of things I wanted God to do for me. My parents raised me to have moral values, and I tried to be as good a person as I possibly could. I knew that the Big Ten were not suggestions, but were commandments from God, and that it was essential that I not break these. I wanted to go to heaven, but I didn't know if I was going to be good enough to get there because I broke a few of the commandments. And that's where not reading and understanding the Bible, not seeking a deeper understanding with other Christians who were willing to share their honest struggles, and not developing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ caused me a half a lifetime of emotional pain, struggle, and questions about whether I was good enough, why bad things happened to good people, and why some important relationships were not working well for me. Inside, I carried an invisible, heavy sack of guilt and shame from my college years well into my 50s because I thought my sin was too great to be forgiven. Deep within me, I yearned for something, but I didn't know what that something was. I tr tried to fill the hole in my soul with endless activities, shopping, and redecorating the house. I served in any and every way offered at church to the detriment of time at home in the evenings. I could tell other people about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection, but there was a disconnect between Jesus' suffering on the cross, Easter Sunday, and me. At home and with friends, my sharp tone of voice and sarcastic sense of humor reflected the festering poison that unforgiveness had caused. In 2002, I attended a great banquet weekend in Decatur, and that experience began the transformation process of my 52-year-old soul. During the study talk, the speaker shared scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, which says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. One of the analogies used to il illustrate the necessity for studying scripture from an adult viewpoint was the one that I just used. For a toddler, cooking on a child's kitchen set using plastic food is fine, but it isn't sufficient for an adult's nutritional needs. Suddenly, the veil was lifted from my mind, and I saw clearly that my learning and understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and who the Holy Spirit is was stalled in the sto children's stories that I taught to four-year-olds through sixth grade. It was no wonder I had no idea how to explain grace to the high schoolers when called to teach that lesson. The ironic part of how that scripture was my aha moment is that back, is that back in my college years, in my sorority, I recited 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13 every week for three and a half years in our chapter rituals. Recited is the key word. I could recite that whole chapter word for word. It was called the love chapter. 
but verse 11 didn't sink into my mind's understanding until I was 52 years old, nor did verses four through eight, which explain what love is supposed to look like between two people. Rick Lonis's talk a few weeks ago explained prevenient grace, God going before us, God wooing us. I know those years of reciting 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1, 13, 1 through 13, was God going before me, preparing and equipping me to eventually apply his word to my life situations at a time I needed to hear his words clearly. Since that time, I have truly studied the Bible. I have chosen to lead an adult Sunday school class for the last 20 years because it forces me to dig deep into scripture to prepare each week's lesson. By getting to know Jesus as my savior, my role model, and the most significant force that has ever walked the earth, I've learned how he handled every situation that a human could encounter. His examples have changed my perspective on how to handle the challenges that life hands to me. Studying scripture has helped me understand that the Bible is God's love letter to each of us, yesterday, today, and always. Even before I had my aha moment, reading scripture helped me get through six years of infertility while everyone else around me was getting pregnant, or so it seemed. Abraham's 90-year-old wife, Sarah, became my hero and my hope. Scripture helped me through the trials of parenting, and I often thought about Abraham obeying God by putting his long-awaited son on that rock as a sacrifice. Could I ever have that kind of obedience and trust in God. Words of reassurance that all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them, which is what Romans 8.28 says. Those words help me through the sicknesses and deaths of my mom, dad, and brother, and my 22-year-old nephew being killed by a drunk driver. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In all circumstances, give thanks, for that is what God, Christ Jesus has called you to do. This verse gave me guidance on what to do when I felt so helpless. I was to give thanks for something and dig down and find what that something is. In all circumstances, give thanks. Scripture has helped me to have perseverance and hope when we had two crop failures in a row and interest rates were very high. Scripture gave me strength and endurance to carry the load when Keith fell off a grain bin at age 47 and he was an invalid for three months, not knowing if he would be able to farm again or not. Leading a study on the seven deadly sins and seven virtues helped me to understand the effects that pride, greed, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, and slothfulness can have on my life and relationships. And when I was deeply wounded by betrayal, I read and reread, read and reread the gospel story of Judas, Peter, and the other 10 disciples and friends who betrayed Jesus when he needed them the most. I was in awe of the risen Christ's willingness, his eagerness, to not only forgive them, but to restore Peter and the other 10 to a full relationship with him and to charge them with carrying on his ministry to the world of unbelievers. Many times scriptures has been a neon flashing light on ways that I was grieving God with my thoughts, words, and actions, 
even though I thought I had good reason for those. Today, his words speak to me, reprimand me, forgive me, and show me the way of Christ. When I made the life-changing decision to move beyond childish Bible stories to learn the message behind the stories, I got to know God better. When I made the decision to make prayer a two-way conversation instead of a recitation of words and things I wanted, I began to hear God's voice speak to me in various ways, and I began to listen more than I talked. When I made the decision to read about Jesus' life on earth and to study his words and actions as a model to follow, I realized that I was not acting or thinking or speaking in ways that pleased God. When I made the decision to find a group of people who also were seeking to know Christ and with whom I was willing to share my struggles and thirst for faith, I found a source of encouragement, strength, and support that I had never experienced before. Because of two women in my Sunday school class back in 2003, Carla Lonis and Misha Halverson, I experienced the justifying grace that Carla talked about a few weeks ago. I accepted Jesus' unconditional forgiveness, his grace for myself. And after 34 years of beating myself up over a broken commandment, my heart was finally able to smile again. Each day since I accepted Jesus as my own personal savior, I've been on the journey of sanctifying grace through the studying of his word. I'm so grateful for the wake up call that I received 20 years ago at that great banquet weekend. And I am even more grateful for the many ways that God has revealed himself to me through scripture, through prayer, through Christian conversation, and through the evidence that he walks with me every day. But most of all, I am grateful for his amazing gift of grace, a grace that has taught me not only to forgive others as he has forgiven me, but also to forgive myself. I have learned that there is nothing I can do that will make him love me more, and there is nothing I can do that will make him love me less. His grace and his word have taught me what unconditional love and forgiveness of the unforgivable look like in my own life. And I have learned that Proverbs 22.6 is true. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Our beautiful Morgan is 15 now, and she has a heart for Jesus. She is the one who presses her mom to take her to church. She is the one who asked her grandma for a teen Bible daily devotional book and a journal for Christmas. She is the one who wears a cross necklace almost every day to remind herself to be like Jesus at school, in sports, and especially at home. And she is the one whose motto is, when given the choice of being right or being kind, always choose kindness. And that's a motto I think all of us need to, to adopt. I give thanks to God for his influence in her life, and I just pray that scripture and faith will always be an integral part of who she is. I encourage you to make the decision to give up childish ways and get to know God as your father and creator, as your savior and friend, and as your guide and comforter. The journey begins one step at a time. If you do make that decision to love your God with all your mind through studying scripture, you too will learn that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. My wish for you is that your empty darkness will be filled with his light, that you will feel his presence when you are all alone, and that he will wipe away your tears of hurt and shame. But most of all, 
may you know that Jesus Christ chose to die on the cross just for you. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.